Hey, y'all weak. Okay. Well, he's a mighty God whether you clap or not. But you're going to need him to be mighty one day. And then, then you're going to be clapping. But you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, listen, let me tell you something. You, you bless him even when you're going through. You bless him when you're not going through. The Bible, my Bible says, I will bless the Lord at. So I, I'm just saying, you should, you should be willing to open your mouth and give him the fruit of your lips. Amen. 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 Our God is mighty. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, to recognize the might of the living God. Uh, just a few things before we begin. Remember, uh, we will be having our financial, we'll be having our financial uh, review, which is really um, us pointing out what God is up to in all of the different things that God has called us to do as a ministry and as a church. And so we would love for our, God's people to be there and to show up and to look at what God is doing, seeing where the resources are going, how the resources are being used. And so again, we're just excited about everything that God is up to, so much so that we wanna make sure that we're continuing to keep you up to date on what's going on, not just where the money is going, but how it's being used so that it can impact even how you utilize the resources that God has given you to help the church to continue uh, to grow and to utilize the resources as God has called us to use them. So don't forget about our, our financial review. That's coming up on the 3rd of May. Uh, not only that, um, I want you to keep me in prayer as um, we'll be relaunching our men's and women's ministry, praying about leadership for it. I know some of you have been asking about that, and so we're praying just about leadership for it. And, um, I, and, I, and I brought it under my uh, office at this season in time so that um, I, can, I, I can really have a hands-on connection with it in this next season what God has called us to do in making disciples of men and women. And so keep uh, that opportunity lifted up as we will hopefully be relaunching this summer, uh, but if not in the fall, and we wanna, and I, want, I have some expansive vision that I want us to do with it, so keep that area in prayer. And just a, a, a light nudge that hopefully won't turn into, we won't have to turn up on this, but we're asking you guys to make sure that you fill the bottom before you fill the balcony, all right? Uh, sometimes, uh, some, uh, we've had people, you know, because the uh, ushers, well, the hospitality team, wouldn't let you sit where you wanted to sit, uh, you walked out, you know, and um, I ain't going, I don't know who you were, but we love you in Jesus' mighty name, but please fill the bottom, um, and um, God can bless you in the balcony, like you're not closer to the anointing <laughs> up there um, than down here, and so um, I didn't know that we'd become a traditional church so fast, so people would want their seat, so... Um, so without assigned seating, God can bless you in unassigned seating. So please follow the directions of our hospitality team. Fill the bottom first. Don't sneak up there. Don't stand in the lobby. Sit where they ask you to sit. Please, in the mighty name of Jesus. Can y'all hear that? Amen. Now that's a nudge. Next time it's going to be a rebuke in Jesus' name, okay? <laughs> and so, and so we, we, don't want no, no, we don't want no problems. We're just trying to be a community that honors the Lord Jesus Christ in what we do. And something as simple as a seat is trivial to what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> um, we'll be in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verses 9 through 18. Uh, I'll start reading with you, and you guys keep on going. Let's do it. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Keep going.
Amen. Well, in our last uh, message in our series, Through Our Core Values, of course, today we're talking about culturally relevant ministry, but today under that title, we'll be talking about opening your lives to serve others. Opening your lives to serve others. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that um, you have opened up heaven for us through Christ uh, so that you can serve us for your glory and for our good. And God, we pray that we would be those who reflect the reality of what heaven has called us to do by opening up our lives to be a conduit for your mercy and grace to the nation so that people can be changed, so that people can be set free, so that people can be delivered, Lord. God, I pray that you would shake us out of our entitlement, Lord. Shake us out of our need to be uh, blessed and help us to, 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 to receive blessings from you, but Lord God, not see blessings for only us. And so God, I'm praying that you would expand our bandwidth mentally and spiritually and comprehensively and challenge us today so that we can be a community of faith uh, that's a community within the community of our city to love it for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, in the mighty name of Christ, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to just be hearers of your word, deceiving and deluding ourselves, but help us to be effectual doers. Nurture us in your word. Nurture us in the only thing that can change us from spiritual death to spiritual life and spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Look at somebody next to you and say, God has a word out of all of his words. Look, that person wasn't feeling you. Look on the other side and say, neighbor, God has a word for you in every word, in his word, even Leviticus. Amen, 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 amen. <laughs> um, as I think about our core value of culturally relevant ministry, I think about uh, when we were researching coming to Philly, when I was going to be moving here to be a part of what God was already up to. And 12 years ago, 12, uh, 11, 12 years ago, I think it was, we made a site visit and we had a camera in our hand. We didn't, the phones weren't doing the camera thing back then, so we had to wrap it around our hand and pull the thing out and focus it and everything, you know. And, and, and we began going through the neighborhood of the 1912 zip, 21 zip code from Broad Street to Ridge Avenue. And we began to ask three questions of people. We asked business owners, nonprofits, drug dealers, baby mamas, baby daddies, families, college students, everybody that we could begin to ask to get a view of a picture of what God wanted to do through helping us to follow him and planting in the city. And, and, and we asked three questions. The first question that we asked was we asked, what are the top three needs in this neighborhood? And people began to give a litany of things that was a, a, a three great needs. And then we said, what are the top three influences, and then they began to give us their answers. But then lastly, but not leastly, we asked them, of those top three needs that you've mentioned, how many of them are the church putting a dent in? And there was a deafening silence, and uh, I thought we were going to get cursed out several times, particularly in the barbershop, because in the mind of people in this neighborhood at the time, uh, and we're not saying the church hasn't been doing anything, and that we're the savior of the neighborhood, but based on the press that they viewed our, the, the God's church, not a family function, we didn't exist, the church in general, viewed it as ineffective and unloving and only for itself. And so, in other words, there was a, 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 a damnable view of the church in our city. And because of that reality, um, um, it, it got, God began to birth in us to, to lace in our vision statement a passage that was helpful for us to begin to think through what would it look like for God's credibility through the church to be reestablished, not just for our local church that we're in, but for the church at large. Because whether you know it or not, if one sector of the church makes a mess, people view us all as a mess. And, and, and so, and so you, can't, you can't make denominational divides among the eyes of the lost. 
the lost views, all of us as one in the same. And so we began to look in Scripture and we saw a passage that people quote, but they forget the last part of the passage. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now unto him who is able uh, to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think, according to the power that's at workers within you. Now, most of us, we shout, some of y'all ready to shout right now just on that part because you like God doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think. Because you, you, you're like, hey, God, I feel you right now. I want you to do a work in me. And you're excited right now. But before you shout, you got to look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, to him be glory in the church and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, the, 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 it, it, there should be an emanating reflection of the image of the Lord Jesus Christ that emanates off of the church to show off the beauty of who God is so that people can be attracted by the power of the Spirit through the gospel of God, through the manifold wisdom of God being seen through the lives of God's people as they incarnate the reality of who Christ is in their city. Amen, Pastor. And so God is so, God is so powerful, and, and, and God, God wants this reality, but we saw that we had a, we, we took a Gallup poll spiritually, and there was a low poll of the church in the neighborhood. And so, but, but what I began finding is that we wanted to put in our statement, we wanted to see as one of the things that we visualized, we wanted to see the church regain community credibility so that we can develop common ground with lost people so that we can earn the right to share Jesus Christ with them. Yes. We found that we had to verbally and missiologically be brought out of a hole of the negative just to get to common ground to talk about Jesus. <laughs> and so sometimes we had to serve before we spoke. Yeah. That, that means we had to hold out our hands before we did any other type of verbal help. That means that th th there were some ways in which we had to do that, but, but as we began to look at the Bible... We began to see that this was nothing new. This is nothing new. When Jesus uh, uh, was being engaged, this passage came up. And, 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 and it's interesting that in Leviticus, as we look at this book, we see that the children of Israel have just, out of the second year, out of being delivered out of Egypt, they're fresh out of slavery, but they're in pre-blessing season. And so in being out of slavery, they're redeemed. Uh, but they're not in their blessing place. They're actually in a place of wilderness and wandering. And you wonder why in the world wouldn't God just take them from slavery to blessing? God doesn't take you from slavery to blessing because if he let you with your undiscipled self come straight from slavery into blessing, you won't be able to handle or steward what he gives you. See, see, God is smart enough and he's glorious enough to not hand a stake to a baby. He's smart enough to let you know that he can't hand a coin to a child. In other words, he has to have an incubating season where he nurtures us out of our foolishness so we will understand what blessing is for. See, too many of us take two cents messages where we want to come to the church every single week to hear about our purpose and our season and where God is going to take us versus what God wants us to represent for him, for his glory and his purposes. And, 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 so, and, so, and so in order to go into blessing, which is not necessarily money. See, many of you in your mind, you thought big house. You thought marble, marble counter. You thought nice honey on your arm or nice dude on your arm. You know what I'm saying? You think of, see, most of us are functional prosperity theologians. See, most of us, when we think of God blessing us, we, we say we don't believe that the center of the gospel is stuff. But when we think of blessing, we think stuff rather than the Shekinah glory of the living God. And, 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 so, and so when I say blessing, I'm not, I'm not just talking about stuff. See, God had to help the children of Israel with this. He, before he blessed them with stuff, he had to let them know the value of him. Yes, thank you, Lord. See, see, see God, God would be a bad steward if he gives you stuff without incubating you in time with him. See, if he doesn't incubate, see, I, amen, Pastor. See, if you, if you, see some of y'all, are, are, that's why you're starting a business, because you don't want the accountability that's needed to help you. Uh, help me today, God. Ah, help me today, God. Ah, um, see, most, see, some of us aren't business people. We have a prosperity dream. And so we operate outside of our, I'll use the word, anointing. We operate outside of that because we want autonomous blessing. Yeah. 
And so what happens is, though, that's why some of y'all are in a wilderness now. You're in the wilderness of your life is because God is working for you to see him. And he's not going to give you naria another thing until you see him clearly. That's why the children of Israel wandered for 40 years on a journey that should have took three months because God was determined, I, I won't bless you if, if, if blessing you means not having me. And so I'll let you wander. I'll let you cry. I'll let you be frustrated. I'll let you be hurt. I'll even let you, I'll let you, I'll let you even hate me if it means you know me. And see, some of, some of y'all some of, some of don't realize that you have more than enough. You, you have everything. You have, and, and you don't want to be in a place where you have stuff without the creator. And so God uses Leviticus to train his people. And he's training them in him, not in stuff. Hear me today. He's training them, and he will keep you in the training program of him instead of stuff. And if he gives you some stuff, he'll take stuff away from you if it, bridges the, if it doesn't bridge the gap between you and him. And you, so he's teaching the people of God how not to forget him. First point, because I got to move. <coughs> First point, <coughs> relevance is a display of God's holiness to one another and the world. Help me today, God. Relevance is a display. Somebody say display. display. Of God's holiness to one another and the world. Look at verse, I want to start at verse 1 through 3 real quick because you can't understand verses 9 through 18 until you see the first part of these verses. Look at what he says. He says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to everybody, the whole congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I am holy. I, I, the, for the Lord your God am holy. Now that seems like an infantile point. But it's the most important thing that he says in this passage. <clears throat> because holy in the lexical form of the word means to cut out. In, in, other, in other words, there's usually, like, like say for instance, um, there, there's either a sheet of metal or a, a, a sheet of cotton or something. And, and, and all of this is just a normal piece. But the person who wants to use some of the cotton for a particular use cuts out some of it and sets it aside so that it won't be identified with the rest of it anymore. In, in other words, when God saves you, he cuts you out from normality. Yes. See, sometimes walking in holiness, you're going to be alone. Help me today, God. Sometimes walking in holiness, you're going to be weird. Sometimes walking in holiness, you're going to lose some friends. Sometimes walking in holiness means you're going to be, be, be crying sometimes. But, but, but the beauty of it is don't ever, don't ever, listen, stalk somebody online to remind yourself of what you used to like. Don't daydream about being normal no more. See, so some of us, some of us, I wish I used to drink my friends. Like, see, they all hanging out. They have fun. See, you underestimated the power of holiness by dreaming about a substandard lifestyle of normality. When you recognize that when you came to Jesus Christ by faith in him, he's taken you out of the realm of the normal to the extraordinary. And this extraordinary is not just for you to floss, but it's to show him off. And so God cuts you out and sets you aside to be different, not to be better than. He doesn't look back for you to point a finger at anybody or anything. He, it, it's okay for people not to understand you. The, help me today. The more you grow spiritually, the less you're going to be understood. See, it, it, somebody need to write that down. Um, see, 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 the more you grow, the more, the more you grow, people are going to think you're weird. But being, being a Christian and growing in Christ and being viewed as weird to others is normal in God's kingdom. See, see, what God is doing in your life is he wants to sanctify you into the new normal. But the, but the issue is you got to stop stalking your past. See, the children of Israel will be like, see, why you bring us out here? We all alone with no food. We don't want the manna no more. We want, we want some quails. 
See, you brought us out here to die. But see, some of y'all laugh at that, but you feel the same way about the Lord. Because, see, when you start walking with the Lord, you automatically have hard times. I'm going to just look at y'all. Hard times are times to show you where you are and where you're not. And, and what happens is, is that God always provides, but what happens is immediately when he starves us of stuff, he does it over again to show us how much we have attached ourselves to stuff and not him. So the reason why sometimes God will give you something and take it back from you and give you, give you something and take it back from you and give it back because he want to show you every time I take something from you, you still longing for what I gave you. But if, you, but if you're only longing for what he's given you, you've missed the test, and you're going to stay in the wilderness until you want him. Come on, come on. I'm by myself. So he says, <coughs> so being holy as I'm holy, what does that mean? <clears throat> treat, it with, treat something with respect. To remove something from profane usage. To single something out. And to consecrate consecrate, consecrate something for what it isn't right now doing for something greater. Always consecration. And I love that about this word, kadosh, the holiness of God and us being able to show off the glory of who God is. That's why Peter picks this idea up in 1 Peter under Christ to let us know that our calling is no different than the children of Israel in relation to holiness. And the good thing about holiness is God doesn't call you to do anything that he hasn't already given to you. Yes, yes. So God is not telling them to be holy in their own strength. God has already set them aside by delivering them. Yes. The fact that you've been delivered means you've been set aside. Yes. Oh, help me today. That was a word. You missed a shot moment. God delivers you so that you can be distinct. Come on. Deliverance is not just to celebrate not being under the yoke of something. The purpose of deliverance is to know that God is doing something and delivering you for something greater for him. For him. In other words, when God does a work in your life, you can't absorb it for you, just you and you alone. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me get down in these verses. Look at verse 9. So remember that holiness is the overarching theme of the text in what God has already done for us in Christ. So look, look, look what verse 9 says. It says, <coughs> when you reap the harvest of your land, <coughs> you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after the harvest. He says, and you shall not Strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. <laughs> he said, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> what, what is he saying? This is beautiful. This is very, 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 very beautiful. Harvest theology or uh, a reaping theology shows that God's people worked. Amen. In other words, you're not going to get anything in life without work. Help me today. No, 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 no. See, some of y'all didn't amen that because you want somebody to hand you something. Um, God makes things available to you by grace, but he has you by grace to go get it, and it's called work. Okay. So, 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 so you, let, me just, let me just say this. You're not going to receive any reaping opportunities, which reaping is actually work too. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, reaping is work. Sowing is work. Reaping is work. If you're lazy in sowing, don't ask God for nothing to reap. But this is what's crazy about sowing and reaping. Help me today, God. When you sow, the sower in their culture would sow by faith and they would pray while they worked. Because they were trusting God to help what they were doing work-wise to take root. Yes. But then, by faith, they would have to wait until the season of what they sowed came to pass. Yes. 
and you got to wait for the harvest because sometimes some stuff that you worked on won't come to pass and you have to wait on, you can't cuss, you can't fuss. You got to wait on God to bring it to pass. You got to wait, you got to wait, you got to wait on God to bring it to pass. I, I, I remember, I remember, I'm going somewhere with all this, please stay with me. I remember my son, we, you know, we spent the time in the Word doing all this stuff and man, Solomon Assembly, when he got to praying, I sat up there, I don't even know y'all saw me, me and my wife were tore up. Because sometimes when you're raising children, you don't know what's taking root. And so out of all of a sudden, something just come out, and you're like, dang, oh my God, oh my, and you just broke down. As a parent, it's nothing like seeing God working your child. And, and, and to reap that blows my mind when I look at it. it, it it's, it's, and the reaping was beautiful for us. <laughs> and so they had to reap by faith. But what was interesting, in this passage, that they sowed by faith, the harvest came up by faith, and they got to reap, the text says, you're not supposed to take everything. Mm. Come on. Come on. Help me today. Well, in, in other words, when they reaped, you're supposed to leave the edge of your land to a certain amount of yards based on the Mishnah that you're not supposed to reap for a reason. In other, wor- in other words, that, that's some good stuff too. Because yeah. sometimes the sun hit the outside stuff better than it did the inside stuff. <laughs> anyway, and so... And so it's, it's, and so they got to reap, and they got to they gotta reap. And then the Bible says they couldn't pick anything up if it hit the ground. So, so, so a reaper probably picking something, he's like, dang, I wanted that piece. I was waiting for it to grow. And so he's, up, he's upset. He wants it. But he got to keep going. By law, he has to leave everything on the ground. <laughs> he has to leave everything on the ground. Then, even as you're harvesting in the middle and central parts of the field, all the way up to the home, listen, you're not supposed to take even all of that. Why? Because when God blesses his people, he wants them to always know that everything you got ain't for you. Who who does the text say it's for? It says it's for the poor and the sojourner. Now let's break, because we don't understand poor in our day. Um, because poor is anybody. Um, but poor in their day was widows, orphans, listen, widows, orphans, and people with disabilities that caused them not to be able to work. Poor wasn't no big 350-pound strapping vein in the arm person that can work. Amen. Amen. Poor meant you were literally stripped of the ability to work. A widow was stripped of her ability to work because she was taking care of some things and the husband many times was doing most of the work and taking care of everything and when he died, she loses everything and things happen like that. Like the widow with, uh, 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 with Elijah. Um, uh, children whose parents have died, they, they orphaned out. So, so those were the poor. So what was supposed to happen is, is that in God's community of faith, people who had needs, not greeds, get help. Yes. Needs not greeds. And see, and see, and see in, other, in other words, the community of faith was built in such a way where we were supposed to take care of people who had needs. But not only the poor in this sense, also, guess who else is supposed to be taken care of? The sojourner. Now check out the sojourner. A sojourner is a person just passing through. So they came through Israel. And then, then the person is working in there, y'all, the reapers are working, working to do say. Yo, he's on the other edge, like in the back, like there, uh, where Hosea's walking. And somebody say, yo, yo, man, um, yo, yo, man, how you doing, man? Where you from? Well, I'm, you know, I'm from, I'm from Phil- Philistia. Okay, that's what's up. Never heard of y'all, man. Hey, man, what you doing through here, man? Um, man, you know, just, just trying to get uh, to, to hit, to Hittitia, man. I'm trying to get to Hittitia. He said, okay, I'm trying to get to Hittitia. Man, just walk down to Negev, that's the southern country, bust a left by JoJo's field, and you'll see it right there in the straits, right? He's like, all right, man, a brother hungry, though. He said, you hungry? He said, man, from where I'm standing to where you're standing, get all you want. He's like, get all, get all I want? Yeah, it's buffet ministry all up in here for you. All, all up in here for you. He's like, wow. Wow, really? He said, yeah, when we get finished, anything that's on the ground, or, or, or anything that's left on the vines, get at it. He said, yo, that's what's up, man. Bless you, man. Bless you, man. 
May the gods bless you. No, no, no. Don't fool with the gods. <laughs> don't fool with them. I rebuke that in Yahweh's name. Um, I am a servant of Yahweh, the Lord God who created heaven and earth. And he's instructed me when someone who isn't from here comes through to release part of what I've, he's given me so that you can enjoy what he's blessed me with so that you can know that he's the Lord of heaven and earth. What? So you mean to tell me you left this because you're God? So this is not a sacrifice or a burnt offering to him? No, we already did that. That's what we did to our tithes and our temple taxes. Right here is just for you. So you tithe, offer, and you give away stuff to people just walking past? Oh, man. When y'all having a meeting? Well, Yom Kippur is a few days from now. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to be talking about pointing to this Messiah that's going to come. And you're welcome to come around and hang with us. You can't come all the way in yet. I mean, you can't come. Don't be walking all up in the inner court and stuff. You got to be out here behind us. But, you know, just come hang out and hear about my God. Then you keep having that happen all over Israel, over and over and over again. And next thing you know, you got people from other nations standing back, looking at the burnt offerings going to heaven, looking at the high priest going in, and they're learning about the God of glory. They're hearing Tanakh read. They're hearing Nabi'im read. They're reading Ketuvim, law prophets and writings, and they're learning about the oneness of God. They're learning about the Messiah, and they're hanging around all because they were attracted in by the generosity of God's people. <laughs> if I can just tell you, you got to recognize your life. When God blesses you, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. When God gives you resources, some of you say, well, I'm on public assistance. Well, give him a recipe. Utilize whatever God has put in your sphere as common ground. <clears throat> but many of us think that everything's for me. Now, now I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like that, too. I'd be mad during tax season. The government be lighting my check up. Now, I'm by myself. Y'all don't be getting lit up. I, I, I mean, you're talking about state taxes, national taxes, federal taxes, school taxes, local taxes, dirt tax, sewage tax, brother tax, cousin tax. I'm just getting taxed. You know what I'm saying? And if it was up to me, I wouldn't give away none of it. You know, I want all my money for me. I mean, if I'd be looking at like the gross income, we can, you know, but then after you'd be like, dang, you know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> and whatever God gives you, you have to maximize what he gives you, not just for you, but for others. And the church, the people of God have been, this is our legacy our legacy is to represent the reign of Christ so that as people go from the nations in here and they go into the nations, they say, man, if you're ever on a journey, you need to stop by Israel, man. Talking about Israel, man, and the whole land of Judah, man, go around like April, end of March, April. Really? Take your family on vacation down there, man. <laughs> and man, don't take no food, just bring bags, man. You just walk through and they just bless you. And then they got this thing they just do. And all you got to do sometimes is roll by their little church service, man. And you see up in there, and man, I met their God, man. Really? Boom. You need to go through. Roll, man. And then the word gets out that God has a generous people who love people that aren't like them, that don't look like them. And they ain't from where they're from. But because God is so big, they're going to expand their loving arms to the expanse of the bigness of his loving arms to love people outside of their normal sphere of influence. See, you as a believer have to begin to learn how to love people that don't look like you. Love people that don't come from where you come from. Love people that don't have your same accent. Love people that didn't go to your same school. Love people that don't dress like you. Love people that don't do their hair like you. You got to love somebody else. And so he walks them through, though, <coughs> not only how they engage unbelievers, <laughs> but it's missiological and evangelistic for people to see, Pastor Kurt, how we deal with each other. Okay, we in the text. It got real quiet, Doc. Look at what it says. <laughs> Verse 11, he restates some of the commandments. Commandment 8, 9, and 10, he says, you should not steal. You should not deal falsely. Uh-oh. You should not lie to one another. These are the one another's in the Old Testament. <clears throat> so he's telling them how we relate to each other. In the midst of the sojourner coming around us, they not only are blessed by our giving, but they're blessed by how we relate to each other. 
See, what can turn people off from the church is how we deal with each other because they don't, because yep. you, your actions can prophesy what their experience is going to be like. Yes, yes. Look at what it says in the text. It says, you shall not swear by my name falsely. You know, doing all kinds of false dealings. I swear to God, man, dudes be just talking, right? He says, in the name of your God, he said, I am the Lord. God says this several times to say, take me seriously. I'm not, I, don't trip on me, right? Look at what he says next. You shall not oppose your neighbor or rob him. So he's talking about you can't handle no crime. You can't be running capers on family members. Look at what he says. He says, he says, the wages of a hired servant shall not remain with him, with you, all night until morning. He's talking about give people their money. This is practical. He said, if somebody come over and drywall for you or paint, give them their money. He said, don't be talking about, oh, man, I forgot. I got to go to the ATM. But when I, but uh, no, nah, I'm going to give you this check, but don't deposit it till the 30th of next month. You know what I'm saying? This, uh, this is some real practical stuff, right? This, this is some real, you know how we do. We get people to do work, and then we keep postponing payment. This, the Bible talks about a lot of stuff, man. Look at what, look, what, look what it says here. He says, you should not curse the deaf. He said, don't be on the, on the, on the sub or the scepter, like, watch this, he can't hear me. And you start cussing him out. See, that's what, am I in the Bible? He said, don't be acting all crazy against people that got disabilities. Because what are you supposed to do? Help them, the poor, verse what? Nine and 10. Look at what he says. Look at look what it says, verse 10. He said, look, look back at verse 14. He says, put a, he said, don't put a stumbling block before the blind. He said, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This is good stuff. <coughs> verse 15, you shall, you shall do no injustice in court. That means believers should be the most just people in the world, and we should be pushing for justice in the world. Y'all got quiet on that part. That means even in the atmosphere that we have now of justice and injustice, we should be the loudest voices pushing against injustice, but pushing towards justice. Amen, lights and walls. And so we should be that. Look at what it says. It says, you shall not be partial to the poor. So look what he says. Look what he says. He says, you're not partial to the poor, nor defer to the, to the great. So he says, even in an unjust situation, don't assume that the poor was unjust against. He said, but then also, don't always get on the side of the people that can lace your pockets. But what does God say you should do? But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. He don't say based on your background, judge based on what people look like in your experiences. Judge based on what the Bible says is righteous. He says, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. In other words, don't be going around gossiping and talking about people and lighting fires and being a messy believer among believers. He said, no slandering. Slandering, really, let me, I'm going to give you this for free because I got time. Slander is why Satan got kicked out of heaven. That's why God hates a lying tongue because he slandered the throne of God and God kicked him out. Help me today. He says, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. In other words, don't be lying on your neighbor in court to get money. He says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. Uh-oh. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Do you, you know, hate comes from anger and unforgiveness that has fermented and caused you to be bitter, and now you're acting out of foolishness and sinning because you don't know that love is no longer your, your rubric, but hate is. So he, he said, don't hate your brother in your heart lest you sin. Why would you sin? Because you're nurturing that. Like Hebrews 3, uh, 13 through 15 says, sin can cause a hardening effect that causes more sin to come out of that sin. Check out what he says in verse 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. In other words, you can't walk around with grudges against each other. It's real quiet in here. He says, no grudge against your own. He said, but you shall, listen, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This points me beautifully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus goes over and he quotes 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And he said the second one is the same as the first. He quotes Leviticus chapter 19, of verse 18, and says, And you shall love your neighbor like yourself. And, and what that shows us is the glory of the gospel, because when Jesus Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your might, love your neighbor as yourself, that's the cross. How is it the cross? Because he loved God with all of his might by getting on the cross and, and, and horizontally, horizontally and vertically dealing with our issues. First, he points to God and he loves God with every part of him by giving his life on the cross, by loving the Lord God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, with all his strength against his flesh. He could have let the cup pass, but he didn't. So that means he, he was willing to die to self in his impeccability to glorify God in his desire to let the cup pass. But then he said, love his neighbor as himself, because what he did for God automatically connected us back to God, therefore fulfilling the law, loving God with everything, and loving us as he would love to be loved by giving his life for us. He fulfills it, and that's what he leaves for us to do, not to earn his love. But because we've had his love earned for us by Jesus Christ, and now we love and open up our lives to others on a very, very practical level because of what's been done for us. I'm going to close after this. Um, all the church planners that come through Epiphany Fellowship, I coach them as they, as they leave and when they get on ground a few years later still, and I'm still coaching Pastor Doug, and he calls me a lot, and we talk, and I love it. And he called me this past week. He said, Pastor, I need to chop it up with you about something. I said, what? He said, a woman just lost her son. He just got killed. You see it on the news? I was like, nah, just got killed in Camden. Uh, uh, man, man, it's a crazy situation. I said, man, what you need from me? He said, well, the issue is, is this is the second son that's died in the last two years of hers. I said, man. And so we're talking through that and walking through that. And he says, but he said, that ain't it. I said, that ain't it? He says, she couldn't afford the first son's funeral. So she's making payments on the first son's funeral, and now she wants to open up an account with the same funeral home to put her second son's funeral on a payment plan. And I said, so the death of her son is on layaway. I said, and she gets an invoice every month, doesn't she? I said, so she's never had closure from her first son. So you mean every month for three years, She's been, had, she had a monthly reminder of her son's death over and over and over again. He said, yes. He says, now we're in the same predicament. He said, we have 5000 but we're trying to come up with other money. And, 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 so, and so I said, man, y'all get out there and y'all make sure, it, let us know what you need, but we need to take care of both of those funerals to get that off the plate. And so what happened was is she said, uh, she said the grandmother said, ain't no church helping nobody. Church ain't going to help nobody. Uh, what do you want? You to come to the church? What do you want? To get some money from you? She said, he's like, how are we going to want money from you when we're trying to raise like $15,000 to help with the funeral? And so she's like, okay, I don't think y'all real. So people just talking to family in there, grumbling, and da, 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 all that, right? All of a sudden, the money comes up. God blesses the money. He falls back like, it's whatever, whatever way y'all want me to serve. The mayor finds out. The, the, the chief of police finds out. Then the block starts talking. The block gets hot about this church that's not asking for an offering but giving an offering for something in the neighborhood and not asking for anything in return. And so what's happening now in Camden is that the name of Jesus Christ is being elevated and the church is being elevated because the church is not just asking for membership. It's not merely asking for an offering, but it's trying to help somebody. And guess what's going to happen? The credibility of the church is going to increase. Yes. And guess what's going to happen? In Jesus' name, common ground is going to be developed, and people are going to want to glean the edges. <laughs> and as they glean the edges, you know we can't help if you know them to talk about them. And people are going to meet Jesus, and lives are going to be changed. Why am I saying all this? That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here 
to open up our lives to meet a need where we see what is relevance at its core to love God, to love God's people and to love lost people on his terms. To love God, to love his people, and to love people in the world on God's terms. That's what relevance is. It's not a cool website. It's not branding. It's not a logo. It's not your Facebook page. It's not all that. All that stuff. You can have all that stuff. You can have brochures and cards to give out, and you can have events all you want. But if you ain't reaching nobody and touching nobody where their needs are, you ain't relevant. Let me just tell you something. Real relevance ain't pretty. Real relevance isn't a design. Real relevance is getting dirty. Real relevance is being inconvenienced. Real relevance doesn't get televised. Real relevance, we don't do relevance to do selfies. There's nothing wrong with promoting what God is doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not why we do it. We want to have ground level credibility. Don't ever, as God exalts you, I'm going to say this to you and I'm done. As God exalts you and gives you opportunities, don't let the impact of the opportunity just be the likes and comments you get on social media. If that's the depth of your impact, you haven't had any. But I want you to think of impact from this standpoint. If everybody in your life is touched, you died, and they open up the mic. What are people saying about, will, it, will there be one person in tears because you rubbed up against them? Will there be one person that says, I, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I ran up against this man or this young lady And I didn't know God, but they opened up their life to me. And God's work through them being kind drew me through the manifold wisdom of God. And now I'm a believer and and so much impact lays behind me because of one decision of sacrifice and giving from this person. Will anybody weep at your funeral because of your impact on their lives? Why don't we live lives? Why don't we live lives to build treasures, not just here, but in life eternal? Father, we thank you. We honor you. (laughs) That the reason why we were made and the reason why we were created, we 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 were made and created to honor and glorify you. That doesn't mean we don't get blessed, but blessing and favor always has purpose that's bigger than us, and so mighty one. Will you collide with our will? (laughs) Will you collide with our convenience and challenge our lives to be bigger than us? So many great opportunities to see lives changed and to see people ministered to, and, and it's all simple. It's the whole as you go philosophy, and so God, Help us to love you, love your people, and love lost people in very practical, yet clearly pointed ways. And may you develop with us the ability, by your grace, to develop common ground for the open door for the word. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe, maybe you, you're hearing what's going on, but you've never met Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins. That is work on the cross that, takes, that will take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. In other words, with Christ's work on the cross, Christ's work on the cross is him dying and God putting him, Jesus stepping in the way of the blows from heaven. Um, like the Secret Service, when they go with the president somewhere, they're always surrounding the president. They're not too far away. I remember in the 80s when Ronald Reagan, somebody came as he was going to get in 
to a limousine and a guy came and started shooting at him. And the Secret Service dove in the way and even though the president still got shot, they saved the president's life. Jesus Christ, his death on the cross was so powerful that he didn't let us get hit by God's wrath at all. He jumped in the way of the wrathful bullets of the king so that we wouldn't die, but he would die in our place and that we would live the life that he imputed to us through his death. And he was raised from the grave as a sign that his resurrection was acceptable to God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and the pardon of your sins through him dying on the cross for you, being raised from the grave, we, we implore you to trust him by faith today, that you will put your confidence in him. And I guarantee you, your life, your life will never be the same. You have the God of heaven and all of who he is in a relationship with you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, whether in the balcony or on the floor, we'd love to talk to you a little bit about what it means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you're here today and don't know him, slip your hand in the air, please. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone. Anyone wants to put their faith in what Christ has done. Anyone. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's the greatest decision that you can make. The greatest decision to make is to join God's side by putting your faith in him and realizing that he made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf so that through him we might experience life everlasting. Anyone today that says, yes, I do. I want to put my confidence in him and him alone, Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, so that I can pass out of darkness of my sin into the light of who he is. Well, amen. Well, let our men come and let's celebrate the Lord's death.